Disney Lurkana has had over five reported events that were in the public eye, but even more than that, with 30 or more players. 30 or player 30 or more players in locals, in 1Ks, in product events, and it honestly just keeps growing. But today we have 11 decks that have been successful all throughout the variety of all these different events. I'm going to be breaking them down, telling you what I like about them, what I dislike about them, and what I would change about them. And this, again, is not taking away from any of the credit given to the player that did create these lists and succeed with them. It's more or less a visual of my style and what I would do to adapt better on you know, how I like to play Disney Arcana. Let's take a look at the different events that we are going to be discussing today. So you can see here we have the 1K Cash Tournament, we have the CCS 1K, we have the Nintendo Switch Tournament, we also had the 1K down in Tennessee, along with the PPG Denver, and there's also some local uh, events that have had 25 plus players and 30 plus players and things like that that I also want to throw a bone to. Lastly, this is all really working with information so we can best prepare for PPG Miami. Coming up, it's about a month away at this point from the time of recording, and it'll be here before we know it, but the most information we have and kind of just understanding what we can bring or what we can play and really understanding what other players are going to play is kind of the point of this video. We're going to classify 11 decks and break them down so we completely understand what has already been successful and how we can utilize the information to make our own decks more successful. So these are the 11 decks that have had at least one top eight in all of the reported events. So the 11 are Amethyst Sapphire, Amber Emerald, Sapphire Steel, Amethyst Emerald, Amber Steel, Amethyst Ruby, Amber Sapphire, Ruby Emerald, Steel Amethyst, Amber Amethyst, and Sapphire Emerald. Pretty large list, uh, lots and lots of Amethyst, lots and lots of Amber, and a pretty solid amount of Amber. Ruby and Steel looking like the most underutilized inks. However, ironically, are part of the two most popular decks. So numbers might not be as fair. We've also heard of different versions of other decks utilizing Steel and Ruby that could potentially break themselves into a top eight in any given week leading up to Miami. Now, let's start with the first deck. Our first deck today is played by Stan Gasquet. I apologize in advance if I get anyone's name wrong. Mean no harm. Just aren't, not, not always positive. <laughs> so in this particular event, he top eight it with the Amethyst Sapphire Control Ramp deck. Uh, not really much of a ramp in all honesty. He's only playing the Mickey Mouse. But he is utilizing Mickey Mouse, Maleficent, and Rafiki as his three costs for friends on the other side. We have the Mickey Broom combo. We have the Endgame with uh, Robin Hood, Scar, Ursula, and Hades. Um, we have a Cauldron and a Magic Mirror. We have, of course, the four Let It Goes, um, a couple Jafars, and then we look at the Archimedes and Yzma. So, you know, for me, was uh, as I'm kind of going through this list, and you know, I, also I forgot to mention the Queen, of course. Uh, I'm always looking for what would I change immediately? And honestly, the first card for me that points out is 
Yzma. Like, I'm not sure what she's doing in this deck. Um, I don't really understand her purpose. Uh, is she just a tutu? Does the scry really matter? I, I don't really know any of those things. Um, so it's really, really tough to say, but that's probably the first card I'm looking to cut. But the other thing that I'm really, you know, curious about here, I find it hard to believe that Elsa is not necessarily a playable card. Um, and I'm talking about like Snow Queen and Spirit of Winter. I would definitely be playing both of those in this deck, uh, to its fullest like capability in all honesty so i'm very curious as to why they didn't make the cut in this particular list um really hard to say but i you know i think that's what i would be looking to do i'd be looking to take out yzma i'd be looking into potentially cut down on my numbers of scars and ursulas and find some uh use for elsa there uh personally i'm not a big fan of the archimedes but you might need it in this list because you don't have as much recovery as you do in ruby or steel but i digress um all in all, I really enjoy the color combination. This is a deck that we were exploring right around release of the game quite a bit, and it does have some legs. It has some nice gameplay. I just find it really difficult uh, to, for overall success because without Grab Your Swords, without Be Prepared, Amethyst can only do so much for you, and you have to kind of be able to hedge your bets and lean into being the better aggressor in the control mirror. And I'm just not certain that this deck is actually doing that. So I would be looking for a couple ways to understand, like if I'm just predicting that the meta is mostly Ruby Amethyst, then I need to be able to like break that matchup better. And the way this current list looks, I'm just not certain that that's true. Um, so I'd have to really see it more in action in that particular matchup before I could really say, okay, I'm going to trade my Ruby cards in for Sapphire cards and go with it. But next list. So this next list was played by Joseph Trueblood. And this is the Emerald Amber um, Aggro deck or mid-range deck, whichever you would like to prefer. This is a pretty straightforward deck in the metagame. And in all honesty, um, this particular combination for aggro or mid-range, it hasn't actually been very successful. Um, you've seen fair bit of you know being played in events but not a whole lot of success and i'm i'm really just curious if the amber steel matchup is so bad that you can't make up for it in your ruby um in your ruby amethyst matchup because ruby amethyst matchup if the versions that i like to play of this deck and i i said this before when we when we covered this deck in the past but i really like the just in time versions i really like double downing on my early drops um, you know, being able to protect my Lilos, being able to protect my Flynn's with cards like Maximus, with cards like Goofy, uh, of course, with, with, with Zimba as well. Um, I just really want more ways to do that. Uh, I'm not overly impressed with John Silver in this particular deck. Jasper is kind of mediocre. So I would be looking to cut down on those, get up on Justin Times, get in some more um, bodyguard characters and just be able to like really take over the game turn by turn or pressure so much that it honestly it forces my opponent into playing cards earlier that they just couldn't really do before um this is where i really like goofy in all honesty like maximus is great but goofy having six health is really important he does get to survive you know aladdin attacks and things like that so it forces them to have maui um it trades a little worse because it has three strength instead of you know the four strength that maximus has 
But all in all, I would probably find a room to get both of them in. I would definitely be looking to cut out somewhere else, potentially even the Duke, in all honesty. Like, maybe I would just be happy with having Stitch and Lilo um, and Hey Hey, I guess. If you want Hey Hey or, or Duke, I think either one is completely fine, in all honesty. Uh, they both represent a little bit different things. But, you know, having Finn and then Hans, Cheshire Cat, Cusco, Mad Hatter, all the way up the line, you know, it, the full flow of that is really, really powerful. Uh, you Forgotten Me is another one that I'm not sure that I necessarily need to have in this list if I'm trying to, like, make even more and more room. But all in all, the color combination has a lot of pressure and a lot of ability. I am very curious as to why it hasn't been more successful in tournament play. It's hard to say, like, not being in the room, not actually seeing every game they're playing or communicating with the players that are on this particular deck for me and my experiences the deck has a lot of power it wins a lot of games going first going second maybe not so much because it's just you know a lot harder to get your stuff going but winning the die roll with this deck and with the mulligan rule in this game it has a lot of potential and a lot of power not maybe not this particular list that we're looking at here but a version of this list absolutely has the capability of going off um and really pressuring all the all the decks in the game, to be honest. So we'll have to see if uh, another version of this can pop up in top eights moving forward. If you're enjoying this content so far, do me a favor, hit that like button. If you're not yet, hit that subscribe button. We do weekly videos like this all the time. You can find one here, maybe even here. Check them out in the descriptions. I'll have them linked there. Uh, a lot of fun for us on the channel to break down the most competitive decks, and we're going to always continue to do that. So if you're enjoying it, do me a favor, hit that subscribe. Comment below, let me know, what is your favorite deck so far? Is it any one of the 11 decks that I've covered today or I'm about to cover as we're not fully there yet, but let me know in the comments below what your favorite deck in Disney Larkana is right now. Sapphire Steel. This was a more recent deck that came out of the woodwork in the recent in uh, from the last weeks of events. This one was played by Ryan Bjorprey. Oh man, I know I messed that name up. So very sorry, my friend. Um, but first and foremost, can we just take a look at this beautifully cold foiled out deck because it is gorgeous. I'm not like this big uh, foil my deck out kind of person, but I can definitely respect the game and it. Kind of, it kind of makes me want. I'm, I'm listening. I'm gonna be honest. It, it kind of makes me want to foil out the deck that I'm playing. If I'm being completely honest, because that just looks so good on camera that I'm like, oof. I don't know. I might have to do it. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll have to commit. We'll have to commit. Um, so this is a pretty straightforward. Uh, I would call this more of a mid-range deck. It really doesn't have any of the ramp capabilities. I well, it has the Fishborn Quill and has um our bell but we have no Grimatella, we have no mickey mouse um no one jump ahead so it, it has the inkable versions which i can totally respect if you actually look at this list it is a lot of inkables uh only 12 uninkables here with the grab your swords a whole new worlds and hades everything else in the deck is inkable and maybe that's just by design maybe this player just didn't want to deal with it and wanted to just have the cards that want it uh, it also maybe just wanted to get the most out of Bell, and and for what it's worth, even Beast Mirror can go a long way with making sure all your cards are inkable, so you can constantly row the card you pick, and then you know just exert Beast Mirror to draw some more cards. All in all, I really really like the concept of this deck. 
it's hard for me to nitpick too much in all honesty. Um, it's not a deck that I have played a ton of specifically a version that's like this. This definitely looks vastly different than the versions that I was either playing or helping the community build um, or conversations I've talked to with other content creators and things like that. So honestly, this looks like a pretty standard version of this list. Uh, I would definitely be looking to remove certain things in just the attempts of, uh, you know, like playing other things. Like for me, I think of like, this is honestly, in my opinion, like the one of the more underrated cards in the game is actually Donald Duck shrouding yourself. And I think it would be really good in this particular list if we just make a couple sacrifices somewhere, um, you know, just maybe even just three of them. You don't need four. Maybe just two is also good enough. But I would find a way to put that card in my deck because this is the type of deck that, again, like you got to be able to compete with Ruby Amethyst and all the removal that it has in that deck. So strutting yourself is a nice card that closes out the game that forces them to have certain cards without just being able to simply dragons, you know, dragons fire and things like that. Um, so that's like the one card that I really would love to fit in here. Everything else I totally understand. Um, and again, we're really low in unangables, so we're not playing with fire the cannons or any of the other captain hooks and things like that. However, I will say that I thought captain hook, um, happy thoughts or happy thinking the flying the floodborne captain hook would shift. I actually thought that card was pretty good this weekend, um, in other decks. So I wonder if there was something that I would, try just to fit in and maybe just test with in in general in this deck but all in all i think this deck really is a solid understanding of what these two colors want to do it's not over you know over the top on ramp it's just saying i'm just going to play what i have be able to get there and i do believe that you know sometimes a bell and a fishborn quill if people aren't really paying attention you can just get very high in resources very quickly and all of a sudden now you're coming off the top of your deck with a bell that can just win the game on like any given turn, which is really, really scary. Um, and I really, really enjoy that aspect of bell. And then obviously having the grab your swords, having the tanks and having the smashes is all the rule in the world. Uh, a whole new world is a very interesting take on it also, because we have bell, we have Fishburne cool. We have all these ways to just get cards into play. So if we're constantly inking everything, then having a whole new world to refresh our hands with, way more resources than our opponent you know like way more ink in the inkwell than your opponent's going to be uh after like just two turns then i think that's another card that's really really fun and really really playable in this list so all in all this is definitely a list that i would like to pick up and play more and i it it's really cool to see that there was two versions of this in the top eight of this event which is just saying that like hey like this is potentially finding its way into the metagame. So it's definitely worth noting and worth understanding that you might end up playing in something that does look like this particular list. So in my humble opinion, this is the best budget deck in the game. Uh, we have the Amethyst Emerald deck played by Ryan Miles, which was the top four of the PPG. Uh, we discussed this deck at length in our Breaking Down Proven Decks um, video from a couple weeks back. And in all honesty, this deck is awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's very, very affordable. Uh, it, and it's, I, I'm not even sold that like it, it needs some of the other cards here. Like I think you can really have some room to play um, with certain things. You know, I don't think you necessarily need John Silvers. I don't think you need this Befuddle. I'm not sure you need the Peter Pans. 
um, or the Jaspers. You know, you can definitely play with all these numbers and work towards other goals, which I think is really cool and really pressures very well. Uh, Olaf is another card that, you know, is probably very unutilized, underutilized in aggro decks. You know, if you're playing an aggro deck, playing a card like Olaf is really, really powerful. It has one three. It doesn't, you know, that like when you're the aggro, you're always luring. So you don't ever really want to tap, uh, you know, you don't ever really want to challenge with your Olaf anyway, unless you can get value of it with Megara or Megara, sorry. Um, and it's really good. It's really powerful because it doesn't trade with all these players that are playing Archimedes and, and like even um, uh, Dr. Facilier and things like that. They're that trying to like trade their ones and twos with your ones and twos. Well, it takes two challenges from their ones and twos where you're just gaining lore because of your three health out of your one cost character. So Olaf's another character I think is very underutilized in the metagame for aggre like aggressive strategies. Um, and in some arguments might even be better or a perfect addition to uh, Maleficent Binding Her Time in all honesty, which is a card that I might consider playing in this particular list, even though it's not as good uh, without the bodyguard protection from anything. So maybe not. Maybe Binding Her Time and Olaf are more for the deck that we'll talk about later. But all in all, this deck is really fun. It's really powerful. It's really cheap. Um, and it just does a lot of things really good and pressures the opponent the entire time and it forces them to act. You know, this is a, this is if you're the kind of player that just wants to put everything on your opponent, this is the perfect deck for you. It, this deck is the epitome of play a card and exert the lore, exert the lore, exert the lore, quest, 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 and just make your opponent figure out a way to stop you. And most of the time, just the, the hardest decisions you're choosing is like, when do I genie and when do I mothers know best? Like, when am I supposed to exert my character to mothers know best or friends on the other side rather than actually just questing? And that's not too difficult of a decision to be made most most of the time. So I think this is a perfect list for newer players trying to play at a competitive level, uh, a little more advanced. And especially if you're on a budget, this is absolutely one of the cheapest competitive decks in the game. Amber Steel Song Aggro, played by Anthony King, was the winning deck of PPG Denver. We've really talked about this deck at length again in another video, but for the sake of it uh, and repeating repeatable effect, this deck does a lot of things incredibly well. And what I, it does better than almost anything is recover. You see a lot of decks right now that are either playing uh, A Whole New World or Stitch, and it's very rare that you're seeing decks that are playing both of those things, uh, along with Ariels, along with Lanterns. Honestly, this deck has kind of been one of a kind. A lot of the other decks that have come out don't really look like this particular list. And which is really, it's it's cool, it's interesting, because it just shows the power of um, Amber Steel in general. This is the very aggressive version of it, but I think it's very good recovery rate um, against opposing Steel decks and against Ruby Amethyst. You know, Rockstar just gives you the ability to constantly refill the board and really threaten on every single turn, telling your opponent, like, they need to have an answer or you're just going to keep going, which is really fun. Um, there's also versions of this deck that are more mid-range that play, you know, cards like Smee, cards like uh, Rapunzel, of course, cards like Cinderella, um, you know, and it kind of just takes away from the ones uh, a little bit and maybe even the twos a little bit and then just plays more of a curve, but utilizes Rapunzel as an, uh, like an ulterior way of drawing and getting back in the game as well. Um, I do think a version that has Rapunzel, Stitch, and A Whole New World is likely the absolute best version of this deck, 
even in a world where you don't go over the top with stitch just having any type of residual effect and you know pressure with stitch is really really powerful and i don't think people are truly uh you know understanding how good that card really is in most cases and no you don't need necessarily you know in this list we have 19 one drops you don't need 19 one drops to make stitch good uh that's like finding that number that sweet spot for you is probably where it's at but honestly i think you can probably be closer to like 13 or 14 and still be a pretty good stitch deck and still feel that flow of the entirety of the game and things like that but all in all um, I can't say enough good things about this deck. It's one of my—it's personally one of my favorite in combinations. Um, it's been something that I've been playing for months, um, pretty much since Ursula's Necklace was born. And yes, you don't need Ursula's Necklace in this particular list, but the version of it started from Ursula's Necklace uh, back in July when that card was spoiled. So a lot of fun, a lot of powerful. It's also the second uh, most played deck across the vents and mo like mo most uh, most top eights. So it's definitely a deck you should expect to see at events. Um, if I was willing to bet on there being two decks at any given event, it's going to be Amber Steel and it's going to be Ruby Amethyst. So play test against them the most, in all honesty, to get your best understanding of how that matchup works so you can kind of like lean into it. Sometimes when you're playing the road deck, you need to be able to understand the meta deck and you can kind of etch out wins even in like your bad matchup because you know the matchup better than your opponent. So just... Plan for Amber Steel and, of course, plan for Ruby Amethyst. Speaking of Ruby Amethyst, shout out to Luna Love 8 on Twitter and her teammate. Uh, they both recently played this at the Atlanta event. Uh, one of them, uh, her friend, top forward, and she finished, I think, in the top 16 with a winning record. Uh, but this is one of the few 60 card ruby amethyst decks out there which is specifically why i'm highlighting this one again it did top four the event um and it had like an eight one and two record or something like that across two different players so all good things of course coming from that um and this is a straight straight forward list in all honesty like the amount of four ofs here is very well committed to the concept and the power and just saying that these are my best cards um, the uninkable package of being four be prepared, four dragon's fire or dragon's breath, dragon's fire. I, dragon's breath is from World of Warcraft, guys. I'm very sorry. Uh, two magic mirror, two else the spirit of winter, and two Rafikis. So four, eight, 12, 14 uninkables. And then the inkable suite is like pretty straightforward, having four ofs of most of the cards in this deck with the lingering one of. Uh, pocket watch and then the two of shield everything else is pretty standard or i think there's three aladdins there but for the most part everything else is a four of so this is a very concrete these are my best cards deck um and i think you i think it's a very interesting strategy um not playing more than 14 uninkables is an absolute choice by luna and her teammate here um and i think it's fine like i think it's a fair choice like in all honesty I think there's a natural comfort to the game. Um, some players are going to stick at that 12 to 14 range for uninkables. Other players are going to be more comfortable in that 17 to 20 range. Again, me personally, I played decks with 23 uninkables in it, and I felt okay doing it. But it is a very particular type of list. It's a very particular type of deck. It has a lot of draw power, a lot of sifting, a lot of ways to get through the game 
um, without being too greedy uh, on your uninkables. Do I think every deck can do that? Absolutely not. Do I think uh, that Ruby Amethyst can afford to do it? Honestly, a little bit more, especially because some of the uninkables give you additional draw power or additional draw vision. I mean, Ursula, yeah, she costs seven, but she still draws you a card when you play her, so she'll replace it herself. At least she should replace herself. Um, and then you have Mirror that's uninkable that helps you. You have, uh, you have Cauldron that can also help you. Um, and then obviously you have Maleficent and Friends on the other side that are both inkable cards, but you have enough draw power and enough sight to kind of get through the game. And I'm really comfortable doing that, doing those things. So all in all, best deck and most consistent deck in the game, most played deck in the game by a very, very large margin. As I'm going to show you in the end here, as we break down all of these decks and their top eights and show you the overall numbers, this is the absolute number one deck that you should go into every single event, assuming you're going to play at least one of them, if not two. And because of that, you need to be completely prepared to play against it. Know your matchup in and out because this deck is just so very good that if you slip, if you mishap, if you make a mistake, you've probably lost 5 to 10% on the matchup just with one mistake because this deck is so consistent and fluent. And you need to be able to avoid that at all costs. So I cannot, I cannot say it enough. You need to make sure you play test this matchup. Amber Steel, played by Anthony Perez, is the top four deck from the CCS event. Um, I think I actually wrote that wrong. My bad, guys. <laughs> it's from the top four of the Atlanta event. And this is the Amber Sapphire list. And honestly, this is another one very similar to the Steel Sapphire. Um, I like a lot of what is going on here. Uh, the one thing that the, again, it's like one card in, in both of these lists that I like for the Sapphire list that like stick out to me. And in this particular one, it's this Maximus. I would love to know what that Maximus is doing. Because I, re I really, that's a card to me that is like an all-star and limited. Um, and even like in the starter deck events and things like that. But in Constructed, I just, I have not found any use for that card whatsoever. So I'm really really curious to to like understand like why that card's in that deck because i just for me it's not doing it and i would definitely be replacing it for several other options <laughs> um but all in all you know this deck is uh it's a stitch deck which is great it has the ability to you know to revamp your stitches it has the let it go in hades for your removal it's got rapunzel for draw power it's got uh the Baby Hades for, I like I call him Baby Hades, but he calls four, but still, he's Baby Hades uh, that also refills your hand. We got Stitch. We have a ton of draw power in this deck. And then we have the Eye of the Fates down there, which is really interesting for increasing lore amounts. Um, this deck is very top-heavy, but we have Tala and Mickey Mouse, you know, for just Cordial Ramp, I guess. Uh, not overcommitting here at all with Bell or... Fishburne Quill or things like that. But I do wonder, you know, if you really look at this list, we talk about this all the time. I mean, this list is a straight four of across the board uh, with the two Auroras. So uh, you have room. Like this list absolutely has room to like cut down on some of these numbers overall and then play into some of the other cards. Uh, I'm not saying we necessarily need Bell or anything like that, but there's definitely room for other stuff that I would be considering, um, you know, off the top of my head. Ariel, 
even though we only have eight songs, um, I think I'm okay with that. I think I could, I think I, I would consider putting Ariel's in. I would consider putting in uh, maybe a couple Hakuna Matatas just as an additional card you can get with Ariel, and it's an inkable card at the end of the day. Um, and then, yeah, I would just look. I would look to maybe get a little bit more out of my Rockstar. Only 16 total cards might be a little a little too low for me. So like I would definitely consider playing at least one other thing. But in all honesty, if we have Zim if we have Simba and we have Maximus, you know, already, like I would consider just putting a Lilo in this deck and playing a couple Lilos just as a little bit threatening in, you know, the more control matchups. Um, it's not as good in the aggro matchups, obviously, but it's definitely going to be helpful in the control matchups, I think. At least to get me to 19, I'd say. I don't know if I need four Lilos, but probably at least three of them. Um, but yeah, and all in all, this is just another one where it has a ton of recovery and draw power. As I you know, already mentioned, you know, Rapunzel, Stitch, Robin Hood, uh, <laughs> you know, other Stitch. Like, so much ways to uh, get back cards. Along with conditional draw power from Grandma Tella and... Uh, Mickey Mouse, True Detective here, with their kind of, uh, you know, draw power in a way. But yeah, all in all, deck looks solid. Um, it's pretty much what I expected it to be for the most part. You know, we've heard on Pixelborn that this is one of the more played decks on Pixelborn, but we never really saw a like, true deck list for it. This is the first Amber Sapphire deck that had been successful across like seven or eight reported events. So this is the lone Am Amber Sapphire list. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily expect to see this at events per se. Like I wouldn't be overall planning for this, but I would definitely be weary of understanding of what the deck is now that it has had uh, its first, you know, top eight. So it, it there's always a chance that you're going to see now more of these moving forward, but definitely probably not close to the numbers of Ruby Amethyst or uh, Amber Steel. All right, so... This was a tough one. Now, there was, to my knowledge, a Ruby um, a Ruby Emerald Evasive deck that was successful in um, the Tennessee 1K back in early uh, or in late August. However, all the decks from that event were not released and not everyone found them. But luckily today we got um, a report of a 26-person local event that had a five-round play, and this deck happened to be across it. So although this isn't necessarily the Ruby Emerald evasive deck that like did top eight, this is clearly a proven deck in a 26-person event, and I also thought it was really interesting to note. So let's take a look at this one real quick. We'll blow it up. Um, this is labeled as a Cusco control deck. Which I find interesting because to me this is just a it's just an aggro deck. Um understanding that Minnie Mouse, much like Olaf and Aggro, is phenomenal. So leaning into playing that is like step one to telling me that it's an aggro deck. Um obviously again with Meg, she's great, but we have Minnie Mouse, Flynn Rider, Cheshire Cat, um, and then the one scheming Hans, which is the one thing I really dislike about this list. But then we also still have Pongo, we still have Tinkerbell, Cusco, Mad Hatter, all the way up to Goofy and Genie. So like this is a still like you know your run of the mill red green evasive deck, but it's utilizing other cards um, that I think are very unique. So 
the Minnie Mouse, it's the first time I've seen Minnie Mouse in any of these decks. So shout out to this player in general. I didn't get their name of this player, unfortunately. But shout out to them for playing Minnie Mouse in this. That's something that people aren't doing yet. I think that's great. More people need to do it. Uh, the first card I'm getting rid of 100% is the um, Ruby Peter Pan. I mean, like, that card's bad. Like, the, Ruby Peter Pan is not good. I understand that Rush is a good keyword, and that's great. But this card is not good because it dies to almost every card in the game. And we can't, we don't want to play three for a character with Rush that's just going to get banished in every challenge. Like, that's not what you want to be doing. So just get rid of that card altogether and play a better card. I, I can't even, it's number one card I'm taking out of this. Number two card is, I cannot fathom a world where we need three shields. I mean, I just, I, I honestly, I don't get it at all. We're already playing an evasive deck. So like we're already ahead of the curve in most of our challenges anyway. So we're not utilizing shield uh, defensively in this particular list, unless we're like really trying to always protect Cusco and um, Mad Hatter, which is fine, but I still don't think I would play three of them. Um, the three Dragon's Fire and three Mother's Note Vest, I think you would have to just go to four of each of those. Unfortunately, I understand they're uninkable, but you need to have interaction in your deck. You need to have ways to leverage the game again. Again, John Silver is just, I, I don't think he's good in these particular decks. I, he's not the top end that you want. I'd rather just have another Genie or honestly another Maui. I think Maui does like a lot of the times the exact same thing as John Silver, but in ways like just better because just gets rid of stuff rather than giving them the opportunity to choose how they want to trade and things like that. Um, I like the evasive package in this particular list. We're not, you know, we're not going super high up into the Tiggers and uh, BLTs of the world, which I don't think you need. But all in all, a lot of nice things about this list. Um, I do wonder if this is the kind of deck that rather than playing Jasper or Peter Pan, um, John Silver, and if I had to cut like another card just to do it, um, I might even be both Peter Pans in all honesty. Because I really want to get more Hans Giving Princes this deck, and I would really consider playing Aladdin in this version. Uh, I just think that in this particular version, the way this is set up and the scenarios that you're gonna you're gonna have, I think you're very good into control, but you need a way to recover against the aggro mirrors, and this version might need that, but hard to say for sure. All in all, shout out to this player uh, for going four one in a twenty six person local. And honestly, doing it with a color combination that just hasn't been very good, in all honesty. Amethyst Steel, played by Brooks Clark, was another top four deck from PPG Denver. This is another deck that we really did break down at length, so I don't want to go too crazy into. But I think this combination of cards is really, really powerful. In all honesty, like very similar to the amber steel versions where they're like song oriented and they're just trying to a whole new world and things like that amethyst offers you a way to not utilize the song package as much but having a fair amount of draw power and then gaining uh even more uh removal in terms of rush characters and pocket watch and things like that so i really enjoy this combination of cards um i really respect this particular choices in this deck i'm a big fan of captain hook a big fan of fire of the cannons, uh, grab your swords and all those things. Uh, four Hans is great. 
Um, the two Ursula, three Elsa, and three Elsa is a fine way to end games. Uh, I think, again, if I'm looking to cut things just to get down on numbers, I don't know that I need four Sorcerer Mickeys. I don't know that I need four Brooms. Um, I would definitely be looking for other options out of that stuff. I'd love to play at least one Dr. Facilier in here. I think Dr. Facilier, a uh, big doctor, uh, Agent Protector, whatever that is, um, that and Pocket Watch is great. Uh, with other Rush characters, if I was really forming another version of this, I would consider putting some number of Rush characters. And again, I am the kind of player that enjoys a high end of uninkables. And I believe I can, you know, Amethyst has the ways to kind of walk through the game as long as you're mulliganing aggressively for friends on the other side and things like that. So all in all, this is a really, really great deck. Um, it's a lot of fun. I think it was actually underplayed this past weekend. It's definitely something I would not sleep on. But um, honestly, what I what had really came up recently in the conversations in our Discord, if you're not in the Discord, the link is in the description. You can join. This deck's actually kind of expensive. I mean, Tinkerbell's a $30 SRT. Uh, you know, Elsa's $50. Bucks, um, Ursula's are going up in prices um you know the rest of it is kind of you know kind of low but even you know for grab your sword and things like that are like you know eight to ten dollars each so this is definitely a more expensive deck than i think people might even like really think about um mostly because of elsa and tinkerbell both needing you can make an argument for playing four elsas in this deck and i wouldn't bat an eye in all honesty so that might be the reason why you're actually not seeing more of this particular color combination because it is actually pretty pricey Amber Amethyst, played by Sam Cahill. This was another deck that we had broken down recently, and the more I thought about it afterwards, there's actually, I think, another way that I would consider playing this deck to be even more aggressive. Uh, I really liked, again, I liked a lot of the decisions that was made in creating this deck in general, but I kind of want to double down on just being the most aggressive. I'm I think it's really difficult in this game to beat certain hands. And I think that this color combination, having Maleficent Binding Her Time and Lilo at your disposal, you know, to back it up with Zimbas, to back it up with Justin Times, um, four Goofies and four, um, four Maximus and things like that, you can actually really create a really disturbing amount of pressure in a given in a given game state. And I know that that's not necessarily what this deck is trying to do. And I'm kind of discussing a different type of version of this deck. But it's really just paying to the dividends again of like all the different options that you have out of these particular ink combinations are coming through in variations of ways across multiple top eights throughout the event. Now, this is only one of a few of the Amber Amethyst decks that have seen play or seen um, the light of day and seen success in top eights. And I think this is also still a fine version. I think, you know, if you want to go and watch the other video where I we discussed this even further between the two of us and offered ways to kind of make it more control, I'm now just looking at it like, okay, how do I make this more aggressive? And I do wonder, like, again, if I make a certain amount of cuts here and I, I go lower end, I get rid of the Elsas, I get rid of the Jafars, um, and then I probably even have to cut down on Rafiki, have to cut down on Baby Elsa, um, and then maybe the You Forgotten Me's, I mean, maybe they're fine still, but definitely cut down on them in general, and then just play Lilo, Biding Her Time, 
um, Justin Times, and then the other big bodyguards. And you might have to cut down a little bit further than that. Like maybe the Dr. Facilities have to go also. It's definitely creating a, a like a 30 car different deck, right? Like um, it's not the same concept here, but it's still the same ink colors, which is more or less the understanding of what I'm trying to get through of. It's possible that that's what your opponent is trying to do within these ink colors. So yes, you can have this mid-rangey version that has um, a pretty like low win percentage against everything, and you're really just leveraging your draw power against their draw power. And that's why you're playing friends and you forgot me. You're kind of hoping that you can outdraw your opponent and then take away resources from your opponent as well. And I think that's a, a it's it's fine. Like it's it's kind of middle of the ground. But I think that when I really think about this deck and like how it's successful, I don't think that that's hedging any bets and making your matchups any which better than it would be to just lean in one way or the other. And I think that's where uh, where I'm standing with this particular list is that I think it's a good sculpt. It's a good mold to work off of. But I would make decisions based on the type of player that I am if I want to go, let me just take out these 30 control cards, play 30 aggressive cards, or let me take out these wonky ones and twos that don't really make sense in my list and play a more mid-range control version. I think this is just like a, a middle-of-the-ground trying to do too much type thing, and it's like hedging its bets in the wrong directions with different matchups. So that's what I would choose. I think you just need to choose a direction and go with it. Sapphire Emblem, played by Michael Skinner, is a truly, it's a truly, it's a deck that's just coming out of nowhere. Um, there's actually a full video that I'm going to post in the description again that goes over this deck at length by First the 20 YouTube channel, which is uh, Michael Skinner's YouTube channel. So definitely check him out. He's always looking for budget decks and how to get better on a budget. Um, this is one of those things where this deck, has one day of success and picked up by multiple players. And I know that he did respond to me in the other comments that I forgot to mention. Uh, but this deck is just a in-your-face aggro deck out of two or out of a sapphire color that people maybe aren't considering, in all honesty. Um, when you really look at this list and, and you can kind of gauge everything it's doing, you know, you have um you have the one cost that you need with the Duke and Flounder. You can't play any more than that because they're just there's not really an option. Uh, he said that he's playing the develop your brains just for like more of a curve on one. I'm still not for it. I think you're you could just better off playing like more fills or he said he didn't like Scepter, which I, I can kind of understand, but at the same time, I'd probably would just not I just don't like develop your brain. I don't think the card ever does enough for me ever. So I would just not play that card altogether and would just uptick to a two or three and be completely happy with it. Um, the fills, Aurora, like the fills and fins are polar opposites. Fins, uh, they're obviously both meant to pressure, but fill is meant to make your other cards be able to trade up pretty well. And at the end of the day, he's a three, uh, a three strength character that just trades with just about everything on curve and a little bit up the curve. Your three costs going to Jasmine's, Jasper's, and Cheshire Cat's. Uh, two of those are two lures. The Jasper is just the two, four body. Um, again, it's not a card that I'm particularly crazy about in general. I, I think it's, in, um, in my humble opinion, I think it's one of the more overrated cards that people are still playing. Um, our fours are the Tinkerbells and the Hanses, and then the Eye of the Fate, which I think is great. The Eye of Fate, I think is very, very underutilized in like aggressive decks. And the moment that Sapphire becomes a more aggressive deck, you've seen Eye of Fate in a couple of their Sapphire decks now. 
just giving my my maleficent uh four lore is awesome but like giving all of these cards four lore is awesome i mean han skimming prince mad hatter uh cusco and maleficent that's 16 cards in your deck that just turn into four lore so off the top of your deck late in the game like the numbers get smaller and smaller every time you can do this and every time your opponent just can't answer you and to that extent i almost want to play a third eye of the fate just because i want to make sure i have one of those cards like within the first five or six turns of the game so i know i can utilize it all in all I don't want to spend too much time on this deck um, because there is a whole video on it. If you really want to know more about this, check the link in the description and check out First to 20's YouTube channel. Okay, so we just went through 11 decks. And now what I'm about to show you is a nice little graph for all 40 decks that have been played and successful across five publicized 1K or uh, like basically 1K products or above type events. and it's pretty fun. It's pretty exciting, but it's also like shocking, in all honesty, to see these numbers at large. Because while there has been 11 different decks that have made top eights, some of them are grim. Let's take a look. So 40 top eight decks and 19 of them are Ruby Amethyst. I touched on this a little bit in the last video, but 19 of 40 decks is as close to 50% of the metagame as you can get to. I cannot stress this enough. It's the most played deck in every event. It's the most successful deck in every event. It's a deck that whatever you decide to play, and I mean this whatever, even if you decide to play Ruby Amethyst, that's fine, but you have to know that matchup. You have to play the mirror match. You have to use your knowledge of your rogue deck into that matchup to just capitalize on whatever leverage this deck gives you. It's the most consistent deck in the game. It's the most powerful deck in the game. And it's proven itself over and over and over again. It's proven itself to the point of players that have never played Lorcana are picking up Lorcana games. And they're playing this deck in particular because of the consistency and power that it has. Do I think it's the, you know, like unbeatable? No, it's not. Again, you want to know why it's not unbeatable? It hasn't won every event. There's already been other types of decks that have proven itself and won other major events. So obviously that's not the case here. But is it the most consistent? Yes. Is it the most played? Yes. Is it the most successful? Yes. So you need to take that information, utilize it the best as possible, and plan for that. Make them make the mistake by not understanding your matchup or your tricks that you have in your deck for that particular matchup. Let's take a look at the rest of the graph. All right. So 47.5% for Ruby Amethyst, 17.5% for Amber Steel, and then 7.5% for Emerald Amethyst. Um, we go to a 5% for Amethyst Sapphire, a 5% for Steel Amethyst, and then 2.5% for the remaining inks, which are Amber Amethyst, Ruby. Oh, yeah, sorry. Amber Amethyst, Ruby Emerald, Steel Amethyst, Sapphire Steel, and Emerald Amethyst, along with Amber Emerald. So, as you can see, most of the decks that have, you know, 
hit top eights are kind of on the level of like one hit wonders right now. And because of that, you you have to know that they exist. You have to know that they've been successful. But I would not be building my decks to compete with those decks. I wouldn't be teching for those decks. Because at the end of the day, you might not even play against that in an event. Or you might not play against it until top eight. You know, like, so I wouldn't commit cards or specific silver bullets yet leading up to this like next week or next two weeks of events until I had seen more successful versions of those decks come up and realistically until I seen Ruby Amethyst come down. But as long as Ruby Amethyst is at the top of the most played deck, the most successful deck, you need that's numero uno focus. And then Sapphire Steel, I'm sorry, um Amber Steel would be numero focus number two. Those two matchups, honestly I would probably play those two matchups and all of my testing leading up to event just so I know exactly how those matchups go. Again, if I'm the mirror, that's fine. If I'm not the mirror, if I'm a rogue deck, like whatever it is, that is the matchup that I would test the most because those are the two most consistent decks and the two most played decks across multiple events. That's what I would be looking out for. All this other stuff, it's great. It's successful. You should know that it exists. You should at least take a look at the deck lists that are all out there. Um, and get an idea of what they look like and things like that. Again, if you're not in the Discord, every time I see a deck, I post it to the Discord in a thread, normally by itself, or I attach it to the ink that were ink thread that was already there, etc. So get in the Discord if you want to stay up to date with as many deck lists as possible, because that's all that's where I put all of them. I can't cover every single deck list in this video or any video for what it's worth. But if you want to be up to date, hit the Discord link. I digress one last time. 40. Top eights, 40 decks in top eights, and 19 of them have been Ruby Amethyst. Seven of them have been Amber Steel. And the next closest number is three, which is Emerald Amethyst. Everything else is two or less. Everything else is two or less. That's an astounding number. And we're going to have to see if that changes. I mean, actually, I'm going to be really, really excited to see between now and PBG Miami how much this graph will end up changing. Uh, it'll be really fun for me to keep adding to it in all honesty. Guys, if you enjoyed this content today, if it was helpful to you in any way, you made it all the way through. Seriously, shout out to you. You guys are awesome. Thank you so very much. Hit me a like button. Hit me the subscribe if for whatever reason you haven't yet. Thank you guys entirely so much. Uh, I've been looking forward to doing more videos like this in the future. This was a big week. I couldn't just sit down and cover all three top eights. It would have been too much time for me. So I figured I'd take the best 11 decks and do that instead, which is why we got this video. Again, thank you guys so much. If you're looking for more videos like this, check this right here, right here, wherever the hell it may show up. My fingers aren't showing up, so it doesn't help. But one are here, one there, there. And we will catch you guys in the next video.